Welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast with your hosts, Tim Barron and Guy Alvarez. This is the show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing and explain how they can help you get more leads and clients. Now, in today's episode, we discuss the top three things to do after you build a website, and this stems from a blog post that we did and the response that we got from it. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your law firm? If so, go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. This audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint to produce the results you want. Hey, Guy. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Good. You know, Guy, we put out a, a blog post about um, a few weeks ago, and the response has been overwhelming. And the blog post was, now we built a website, now what? What do you do? And the top three responses or questions, concerns that we have coming back at us are content. What do you do about content? What do you do about social media? And what do you do about SEO? So I figure, let me come right to the horse's mouth <laughs> and talk to you because I know of the deep experience that you have with this. Now, of the three, which should you say that someone should start with of SEO, content, and social? Well, I, I think, I mean, I know it's content because without content, you really can't have a successful SEO or social media strategy. So, um, you know, it's interesting. It's almost every day now that we're getting calls or emails from firms uh, all over the spectrum, from MLA 200 firms all the way to small boutique firms that have gone through the process of redesigning or redeploying their websites, but they don't know quite what to do next. They don't know, you know, they built a Ferrari, but now they need the gasoline to kind of let it go. And so um, from my perspective, that gasoline starts with content. Um, and it's not your typical type of content. It's not talking about the firm, its attorneys, your practice areas. We're talking about thought leadership content, and that is client-centric content that anticipates the issues, the concerns, the opportunities that your target audience has. And you know, we've spoken to a lot of general counsel, in-house counsel, business owners, and the one thing that keeps coming back to us is you know, they want to find a lawyer and a law firm that understands their business, understands their concerns, and has the experience to deal with whatever it is they're dealing with. And the best way to demonstrate this is through client-centric content. So, you know, as you know, most firms are very internally focused when they create their websites. Uh, they put a lot of time and effort into their attorney bio pages. They put a lot of time and effort into their practice area descriptions. But where they don't really focus is on client-centric content. And from my perspective, that's really where you need to focus in order to get people not just coming to your website, but you know, returning and again and again, and eventually retaining your attorneys. So in other words, for practice area pages, instead of saying, Here is what, here's what we do, um, you could say, here is your problem. And here's how we can help you address that problem. Exactly. How we should couch it. Yeah, exactly. It's here, here's how we can help you. Or here's how we, can, we have helped others. And, you know, the, I, I keep seeing more and more the, the good websites, what they're doing is they're creating content that is based upon 
success stories, you know, uh, specific examples of how they've been able to help a particular client overcome uh, a challenge, a legal challenge. And um, that really works really well because two things. One is we all like stories. We all like to read stories. Storytelling is the best way to communicate by giving specific examples. And so when you write content in a storytelling fashion, that makes it extremely engaging and people like to read that kind of stuff. Second is it's a great way to demonstrate your attorney's skills and experience, right? What better way to show someone that you understand their business and that you've done something similar before than to actually put it into a case study or a success story. And you don't have to name the client. You don't even, you know, you don't have to go in and name names. You can just talk about, you know, what the situation was and how you were able to resolve it. So let's say we've set up the website with client-centric content. Let's say we've even attached a blog and we blog once a week about issues that are uh, related. We don't really want to go down the blogging uh, rabbit hole because we could have a, an entire session on that. Does SEO come next? Well, I think you know it, it comes next, but it's it's a close component to writing the content. So, and this is where it gets challenging, right? Because you want to create client-centric content uh, that is engaging to your target audience, but at the same time, you you want to have SEO on the back of your mind um, and start to think about what are the keywords and key phrases that our target audience would use to find the types of things that we do. And so, um, you know, we've talked about SEO in the past and blog posts and thought leadership uh, content is a great way to enhance your SEO on your site, especially along uh, long tail keywords, keywords that are longer, that explain concepts or processes in deeper ways. And so when you're creating content, it's always important to think well, are my keywords in this piece of content and are they in the right places? Is it in the title? Is it in the meta description? Does it appear a couple of times in the body of the actual page? And so while you want to make sure that you're writing engaging client-centric content, you also want to make sure that you structure that content in a way that it will also benefit you from an SEO perspective and it can be properly indexed and, and scanned by the search engine robots. So I know there are some tools that can uh, help us or help anyone that's getting started with SEO and content on their site. But before we get to that, you talked about long tail, long tail keyword. Could you give us an example of what a keyword is that an attorney may use in his or her, on his or her website? and with a long tail version of that. So for example, let's say you are a law firm and one of your practice areas is, let's say it's trusts and estates. Let's say you're an estate planning practice. A regular keyword, what a keyword that most law firms would use is something like estate planning attorney or uh, trust and estates uh, law firm, something like that. But when you're talking about long-term, long-tail, uh, you want to get much more specific. So you might write a blog post on irrevocable trusts and their effects on uh, New York City residents. So you might come up with a long-tail keyword around that language, which is, again, not will not have as much search volume as a state planning attorney. But if someone is looking specifically for that type of information, 
because uh, it's customized that way, it'll probably show up and rank pretty highly for that longer tail keyword. Awesome. You know, I totally put you on the spot and friends don't do that. It's okay. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> but you roasted the challenge. So one of the, the uh, tools I, I started to mention earlier is that we use and that we recommend is uh, SEO Yoast if you're using a WordPress, WordPress platform uh, because that has the um, ability for you to put in a meta description and a title and, and, and then it grades you. Am I right? Yeah, so for people that are not SEO experts, um, Yoast is a, is a very nice tool. It's a plugin for, for WordPress sites. It's a free plugin. Uh, there is a paid version, but you don't really need it. And so what it does, it, it, it helps you to make sure that you're using your keywords properly and optimizing each page for each keyword. So it's definitely a good starting tool to on-page SEO. You know, funny as you and I know, Tim, and our good friend, our director of SEO, Joe Balestrino, he does not use Yoast. In fact, most, <laughs> most serious SEOs do not use Yoast. They prefer to do freeform stuff. But for a beginner or for, for someone that's not an expert in the area, Yoast is definitely a good tool to help you start to optimize your site for SEO. Absolutely. All right, so we've... We've got the first two, we have our content, we've optimized it, and now, uh, what about social media? Like, it's good to be social, hey, we're, we're all about social. Sure, so, again, you know, once you have your content, just be, a, you can have the greatest client-centric thought leadership content on your website, but if no one's reading it, then what good is it? So SEO will allow people to find it, but that's not the only way that people can find content. The other way is social media, right? And that is putting out your content in those places where your target audience is, whether that be Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Medium, YouTube, uh, or a combination of all those things. The idea is to put your content out there where there's a lot of people uh, where your target audience might be, and then allow them to click back and read the content on your website. So a good social media strategy will enable you to get your content out there in front of your target audience or in front of influencers and enable them to come back to read your content and hopefully uh, read other content that's on your website. That's really the goal there. Of course, it's becoming harder and harder for law firms and companies to get their content in front of the target audience on social media. Facebook continuously changes their algorithm and it's almost now impossible to really get your content in front of your target audience organically on Facebook. So we're seeing more and more paid Facebook campaigns and even now paid LinkedIn campaigns sort of extend the reach of the content and really target your, your target audience in a way that is not possible with organic. So I would say as you're developing your social media strategy, it's important to consider both a paid uh, component as well as an organic component. So paid social is the equivalent of Google AdWords when it comes to SEO. It, it sort of complements each other. So I mean, the only thing I would add to that, Guy, and you can let me know if that's, this is correct, is I was actually thinking about this as I was walking over here this morning. I do that instead of trying to think of the news of the day. <laughs> Keeps me sane. Um, about, about some lawyers that I've seen some, some social media accounts that just streams of posts back to their site or if it's a personal injury lawyer, just this one accident after the next. It's like a, this news site and this, it's not something that you want to do. You want to curate other people's stuff. You want to engage 
Um, and that, so that when you do post um, information leading back to your site, people will be more apt to, to, to click on it. Yeah, I mean, and that's a really good point. Like with content, you want to make it client-centric. When you're sharing stuff on social media, you also want to make it client-centric. It can't be all about you and what you do. It has to be focused on, on your clients or your prospects or influencers. And then the other thing you mentioned is you know, curation. Uh, curation is great because it enhances your position as a thought leader. Right? Thought leaders not only just create content, but they, they curate and filter and analyze important content written by others and share it with their target audience. And then the other benefit of, of curating content is that it helps you to establish relationships with other influencers or other people that might have a similar target audience that who your target audience is. So that's an added benefit of, of content curation. And then finally, as you mentioned, you know, it's called social media for a reason. There's a social component to it. So just you know, putting out your stuff is really not going to be enough. You really want to engage in conversation and share other people's content to try to develop relationships that will help you down the road. All right. So we have, we've talked about content and SEO in tandem, really, as opposed to one and the other. And then social media in answer, you know, building a website is the first part of the journey. And this is what happens afterwards. And these were the top three concerns of folks reading that post. And by the way, if you want to see that post, if you go to goodtobesocial.com and then click on our blog, you will see it on our first page. It's towards the bottom. And, or you do a search for it, right? Depending on when this is. Um, we'll put it on the show notes. Or, yeah, we'll put it on the show notes. Yeah, there, that's an easy way. So... Is there anything else that you want to let us know before we wrap this up? Well, I, I think the last piece, and this is something that you, you, know, you have to do, is measurement, right? As you try to develop new content, as you optimize for SEO, as you start to participate in social media, you want to make sure you measure everything. Because if you're not measuring stuff, then you don't really know what's working and what's not working. You know, maybe you see that certain kind of content is getting more views and more engagement. Well, maybe you want to create more of that content and less of another content. Or you see certain keywords that are generating a lot of traffic to your site or certain channels on social where you're getting a lot of engagement. You won't know any of these things unless you properly measure what you're doing. And when we talk about measurement, we're not just saying web analytics. So it's, it's good to measure you know, visitors and, and page views and bounce rate on your website. But you also want to measure what's going on when you're putting stuff out there, whether it's emails, whether it's social media posts, all of those different things. You want to get a real good analysis of everything you're doing uh, in the digital arena to get a good sense of what works and what doesn't. So last thing I would say is once you set up your new website, make sure you have the tools in place and the KPIs in place so that you can start measuring and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Awesome. So this has been super insightful, Guy, expanding on some of the top concerns uh, that we got from the blog post. Now that you've built your website, now what? All right. If you'd like to get in touch with us, it's Guy at get to be Social, Tim at GetToBeSocial.com. And check us out on Twitter. It's good to be social. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. But before you go, if you like this episode, 
Please subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes coming up. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher, and you will find the show notes for this episode and all of our episodes at goodtobesocial.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.